But the fact of it is, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? As David said, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. To come collectively together. Jesus said, he said, where there are two or three gathered together, there is Jesus in their midst. Amen. Why? Because God knows sometimes there are small gatherings. Sometimes there are big gatherings. And in everything, he said, don't you worry. He said, I'm with you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end. Isn't that great? The precious promises of God are ours. And we talked uh, last week about dreams and, and the importance of dreams. And, and this week I want to kind of carry on just a little bit about a dream that Jacob had and how that God just keeps reminding us that he is faithful faithful and you know what we can trust him how many know there's great things ahead for those that are in jesus hallelujah he, you know that's what the bible says you know we we can look at the world we can look at politics we can look at all that i'd rather look at jesus because i know that when i look at jesus i'll walk on top of the trouble and not beneath it keep your eyes on jesus let's all stand if we would this morning give god the glory for all that he does in our hearts. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today. Lord God, that you are so true in our hearts. Thank you, Lord God, that we have relationship with you. That we know you, Lord God. That we walk with you, even in the cool of the morning. Lord Jesus, that we are ever mindful of your presence. And, and Lord God, for all of the things that you've done in our lives. Lord, we could count our blessings. We could name them one by one. And surely we would be blessed in thinking of all of the things you've done for each one of us. And God, I pray today that your word would come forth in a powerful way. God, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. You know what amen means, don't you? So be it. The Lord is good all the time. We can trust him. We, we spoke last week about dreams. And the thing is, is that we need to understand that the dreams that we have, you know, that are from the Lord, they don't change. What God said he'll do, he'll do. Some people, they think God's slack concerning his promises because they do them in their time frame. God doesn't work in your time frame, and he doesn't work in my time frame. Number one, God doesn't even work in time. He works in eternity. And one of the moody science uh, based on the word of God is they have a movie that kind of shows God in eternity. And it said, in eternity, there's no time. So if you could ever wrap your mind around that, Moses could be in the river Nile, in the bulrushes, at the same time that you're sitting here at Harvest Hills Church. See, the Bible says a thousand years with the Lord, uh, a, a day with man is a thousand, you know, a, a day with God is a thousand years with God. I'll get it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We got it somewhere near there. <laughs> you know what I mean, so I'm not going back over it. What we realize is that in God there's no time. All of the 6,000 years in the completion, of course, then the millennial reign, which is the 7,000th year, in God is simultaneously because he's not in time. But God's promises, even though we might see them as forever, it's like a child. You say, hey, you know what? We're going to go later for an ice cream. Oh, good. When? Uh, later. Well, when's later? How about we go now? <laughs> that's a better plan, isn't it? We'll, we'll go now. And that's exactly the way we can be as humans. But God is not slack 
concerning his plans. And Second Peter uh, 1 4 said he has given us his very great and precious promises. Think about that. He's given them to us. He's given them to us. In Second Peter 1 2, it said grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus, uh, the, Jesus, our Lord, according to his divine power, hath he given unto us all things that pertain unto life. And now, I, you know, that's one of my favorite scriptures. He's given us all things that pertain to unto life. So if you don't have it, it isn't because you don't have it. Uh, how do I say that? If you don't have it, it's because you don't know you don't have it. But God said, I've already given it to you. Unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Now, here we go right here. Through the knowledge of God. See, in other words, the knowledge of God is the conduit in which all of the promises come. He said, my people perish for what? A lack of knowledge. When we realize that there's an Old Testament and a New Testament, you know what the word testament means? It means a testament and will. Jesus said, unless the testor die, the will is not empowered. But Jesus died. And when he died, he sealed the will. It cannot be changed. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. Why? Because it's his will. I'm sure if your rich uncle died and you were the favorite niece or nephew, you'd want the will, wouldn't you? Take a look. See what old F Uncle Fred left. Old Uncle Fred had a lot. I guarantee you, you might even hire a lawyer to interpret that will to the detail. Because you know there's something in it. There's something in it. Old Uncle Fred, he liked me more than all the other family. And he told me he was going to leave me so much. And I want what is mine. I wish we could handle the word of God the same way. I wish we could say, Lord, the New Testament and the Old Testament are mine. And if I want what is left to me, I've got to educate myself in the law of God. I've got to know what God has left me. He said, my people perish because they have a lack of knowledge of the things I've given them. Christians can live like paupers when God never intended for it. I think there's a lot of things that can come our way that God never intended for us to bear or to go through. It doesn't mean that God doesn't allow us to go through things. I don't want you to think that every time a bad thing comes that somehow God's not in it. Because sometimes God uses those things to strengthen you. We've talked about a gymnasium and, 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 and uh, you know, going to a gymnasium. And how many of us have ever got one of those fitness plans at one of the... Come on, be honest. How many of you have bought one of those? Boy, not many. I guess I'm pretty dumb. Uh, but the fact it is, you know, and you get that gold membership. You sign up for a year and you're going to have, you, got, you, got, you can go to the sauna, you can do all that stuff. And you last about three days. And the reason you only last three days is because you begin to realize what you signed up for is human torture. <laughs> so your membership lays vacant the rest of the year. And then they send you a thing saying, you want to sign up again? No! <laughs> I know what those things are. They're bad. But the fact of it is, is that all of us want to be strong. I remember, and I, I've said before, we, my wife and I was at a, at a restaurant and it was really warm that day. I had a short sleeve shirt on. And the guy over next to me, man, you should have seen his muscles. I'm, I don't used to look at men, but I, I had to take a cool, good look at that one. And, and his muscles were just bulging and everything. And all of a sudden, my wife looked at me, and I'm looking at my arms, and she started laughing at me.
And I'm thinking, I'd like to have his muscles, but I wouldn't want to pay the price for them. We do that in, the, we do that in life. I want his anointing, but I don't want to pay the price. I want that one that comes in the Cracker Jacks box. <laughs> you know, you open it up, and you, you know, like the fortune cookie. Uh, I want that one, right? But the fact of it is, is God does allow us to go through tough times. And he allows it because he's making us into the sons that he wants us to be. I'll tell you this right now. If you want a, a, man, a son uh, to become a man, you don't pamper him his whole life. I saw on Facebook the other day, it showed, it said, uh, the new generation, two old people with canes pushing a 40-year-old hippie. <laughs> they said, welcome to the days we live in. And we say, why is it that men are being strengthened? Is it because they're avoiding... The pain, the pain of responsibility, the pain of, of, of debt. You, you see what I'm saying? And, but God allows us to go through these pains to strengthen us. When my wife and I first started out, I told you before, I went to mom and hit her up every week for money. Hey, mom, you got 20? Oh, here's a 20. Oh, you got 20 you can lend me. And my wife said to me, she says, Bob, when are you going to grow up? I said, what do you mean? She said, you go to mama all the time for money. She said, you make yourself look stupid. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's fun. It's, it's convenient. It's easy. <laughs> but what you realize is, is that all you're doing is you're avoiding the responsibility Of being mature. When we first started out, we didn't know a lot. And you know, when you first start out, you end up, you don't pay bills on time. You, you, you know, hey, come on now. All of a sudden, your credit rating's way down. And you owe more. One time, my wife and I, we sat there and figured out the money we had coming in. And just in interest, it was just like $100 a month less than we were bringing in total. In other words, we were becoming slaves. And we sat there and figured out our budget. We said, okay, no more Dunkin' Donuts. Sorry, Dunkin' Donuts. Those things are expensive. We can buy a coffee pot. And I figured you can buy coffee. You see, what I'm saying, though, after a while you begin to learn. Why? You learn through friction. You learn because... You, you go through the hard times. And eventually, you know what? It gets easier because you, you build up the stamina. That's why we need to be patient with our kids. But don't over-pamper them because you will prolong what they need to learn. I mean, kids will hit you up for loans. You know, can you co-sign for a car? Can you do this? Can you, do, you know what? And when you say no, what you're really saying is, you need to grow up. You need to find a way. How many of you have ever been denied your parents co-signing and yet you found a way? You found a way. Why? Because God's a way maker. Amen. So, so what am I saying in all this? And, and I want to sum it up in this is that God does not shelter us always from the storm. The disciples said, let us go to the other side. You see, there was a word. But sometimes we don't hear the word. We just see the storm. And he was asleep in the boat. And all of a sudden, they said to him, they said, Master, carest thou not that we shall perish? He said, oh, ye of little faith. Didn't you hear my word? I said, let's go to the other side. And we so quickly forget the words and we get entrenched in the problem and the problem holds us down. He said in verse 4 of 2 Peter 1, he said, Whereby 
are given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Exceeding. How many know God doesn't exaggerate? Exceeding. Great and precious promises. That by these ye might be partakers of divine nature. In other words, God wants us to be endowed with His glory that we can walk in that cloud of glory. And people will look and say, Oh, I want to be like that. Well, you can't escape all the storms. I think a Fuchsia Pickett, and she was preaching. She was a very anointed. She was one of my best professors because she said, You get the book, read it, you'll be all right. Now let's have fun. She was one of those type of preachers, <laughs> one of those type of teachers. You know, her, her classes were always fun. And she was saying that one day she was speaking to a group of women. Holy Spirit was strong that day, and somebody came up to her, and a woman came up to her and said, I want your anointing. And she looked at her and said, I'm not done with it yet, honey. <laughs> I'm not done with it yet. <laughs> But the fact of it is, is that a lot of times we're just hoping one prayer will do it. Oh, Lord God, I know that if the right person came and prayed, the burden would be rolled away. Sometimes that could happen. But in most circumstances, God wants you to be a son, not a, not a wimp. God's not going to be pushing strollers around in heaven. Amen. He wants us to grow up to be like him. There's a thousand, there's thousands of God's promises in the Bible, but we need to learn how to receive them and we need to know that they are. Today you can count on the promises of God. We can go to Genesis, but I'm not going to do that. I was going to about I want you to go later on to Genesis 28, 12 through 15 and look at the promise that was given to uh, Jacob. Number one, the Bible said, I, I do want to read just a little of that, by the way. Um, let, let's go to uh, 28 and verse 12. And Jacob went from Bathsheba and he went toward Haran. You know what Haran is? Oh, if you, you've got to, if you don't have a vines, uh, a dictionary on the Bible, you're missing out. Because I'll tell you something about the Hebrew. The Hebrew is the most colorful language that one could ever speak because in the Hebrew every sentence has a picture behind it and if you don't look up and see what the picture is you miss a lot well let me tell you what Haran is Haran means a dry and a barren place you know what Haran is it's where Abram came from his father they were in the land of the Chaldeans over there in Iraq and and God called his father said come unto a land and they ended up in Haran a dry barren place a lot of Christians end up there a lot of Christians end up there they never really understand nor realize the blessings of God where was Jacob headed back he was headed back toward what his father came out of And God had to arrest him and give him a dream and say, Jacob, don't forget that I have blessed your father, Abraham, your father, Isaac, and I will bless you. And there Israel was born. The Bible said, he said to Jacob, he said, your name will no longer because Jacob had wrestled with him all night. And he said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but it will be Israel. Three generations later, we then begin to understand the nation of Israel. Born right there. In the changing of the name of Jacob. God had chosen a people. He had chosen them out of Iraq. They were not in, they, there was nothing about them uh, other than God called them. Israelis are Middle Easterners, just like everybody else. But they had the call of God on their life because God chose them. He said, I'll choose who I will, and I'll put down who I will. But God had called Jacob, but Jacob was headed the wrong way. How many times we see Christians headed the wrong way? 
Hey, man, you headed the wrong way. That's the way your father lived. That, 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 that's, you're headed the wrong way, boy. And you know what? God gives us a dream. I love also here it said that, that uh, Jacob, he'd taken and he put pillars together. Uh, put pillar. You know what the pillars were? They were rocks. Now, we talked many times about that. The pillow guy wasn't around then. They use rocks for pillows. So, you know, if you complain because your pillow's a little lumpy, remember poor Jacob. But what we have to realize in this is that God reminded him of the promise. How many know God's got to remind us of the promise? How many know he said, I'll have a church without spot or wrinkle or any such blemish? You know, we can look, so, oh, the church is missing. Oh, the church is missing. You know what Jesus said? That's my body. Church is my body. We can't blame the church for the problems that are in the world. The problems are in the world because of Satan. You see what I'm saying? Now, could the church do more? We'll talk about that in a little bit. Sometimes God's promises are long term. In Hebrews uh, 6.12 it says... Uh, Imminent to those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. And Hebrews 6 and 9 said, But beloved, we are persuaded of better things of you. How many of you have said that about your kids? I'm persuaded of better things for you. How many know our children should be blessed more than we are? They should be. I'm not saying they will be. Some of them need to be arrested and get a rock pillow. And have a dream. <laughs> Lord, give them pillows for rocks. I'm giving rocks for pillows. I'm getting backward today. He said, but Beloved, we are persuaded better things for you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your works. Some of us get weary in well doing. You know, we do for a while, and then we say, Well, you know what? I ain't been paid lately. And your labor of love, which we, uh, which ye have showed to us in his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope, even unto the end. When? Unto the end. You see, the radio program that we have is called Simple Faith. Um. And, and, and the thing about simple faith is it's simple to understand, but very, very hard to do. You know what I'm saying? Simple to understand, but very, very hard to do. Love your enemies. Simple, isn't it? Oh, yeah, hey, that's a good word. Try doing it. When you do it, you should do it. You should practice it. Forgive that it may be forgiven unto you. Sometimes that's a hard one. You've been hurt. You've been injured. And you go through things. And then you've got to say, Lord, help me to forgive. I said to someone the other day, he said, well, I have forgiven. I said, well, it sounds like you need to forgive again. <laughs> and again, and again, and again, until it sticks. <laughs> uh, amen. Because the Bible said, as we forgive, so is it that we receive forgiveness. And we all need that desperately. Amen. He said in verse 11 of Hebrews 6, he said, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. You see, what he's saying is, I wish that every single one of you were participating in ministry. At some capacity. Jesus said that if you give a cup of water in my name, you've done it for me. So it, may, it doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be, well, I want to go in ministry, but I've got to go to seminary first. And God says, what are you doing now? Well, I'm doing nothing because I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. And then later, I'm going to minister. And, and God says, no, what have you in your hands? 
It makes me to think of yesterday's interview with Phil Smith. It's Phil Smith, and it was born in Ethiopia uh, to missionary parents. They had ministered in Ethiopia, and they'd come back to the United States, and they listened on 2020, I believe was the news, uh, you know, that show. And they watched, and it said that in Brazil that they're hiring off-duty police officers to shoot kids like rats. True story. And he and his father looked at him and said, what, do we, what can we do about it? What can we do about it? You know, a lot of us, we hear the story, but we forget to ask God what we can do. Remember Nehemiah? He built the wall because he said, Lord, what, what, what do I do? Sometimes that's a scary thing to ask the Lord. And he told them to go to Brazil. They had no real plan. Now, they'd had experience in Ethiopia. So it wasn't as if they didn't have some experience on what might need to happen there. And they're on an airplane, and, and he's, he's on this airplane, and this guy comes and sits by him and said, Hey, he said, I get up to go to the bathroom. Do you mind if I sit here? He said, Some big old fella sitting in my seat when I get up to go to the bathroom. And I like what he said. He said, that was probably God. <laughs> and he began to talk, and they were headed for Brazil. And as they were headed there, uh, uh, he said to Philip, he said, Phil, he said, where are you headed? He told him the little town. And he said, that's exactly where I'm going. He said, why are you going there? He said, because my father and I saw a thing on 2020 about them shooting children because they're a nuisance. These are children that were orphaned. They didn't have the structure they have in the United States. They just live on the streets as urchins. They steal and they do bad things. So they felt the way to, to get rid of the, all this crime and everything was just shoot them. So they assassinated human beings that Jesus loves. We see that with abortion and we see that in this country, sadly to say. And here they were, and he was telling the man about it. And the man said to him, he said, you know, I don't understand. He said, he, 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 said, he was a physician. He said, my dad owns 35 acres with many buildings on it that, um, that used to be an orphanage that got shut down. He said, I bet if you talk to my dad who works something now. And he went and he talked to his dad, Phil did. They gave them the 35 acres and all those buildings. Now, Phil didn't go there with the plan. He just went with a burden. How many know you, you, you set out with a burden? God can make a plan. The Bible said that when Nehemiah got to the walls, he waited till like 2 in the morning. You know, how many of you, you're looking over a burnt structure, but you don't want people to see you looking because you're, you feel stupid. And so you wait till 2 in the morning, you're out there with a flashlight saying, the neighbors won't see me. I don't know what I'm going to do here. But you know what? God gave him a plan, but he had to go first. And so many of us, we, 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 we overthink. I, I was saying to Brian yesterday on the phone and had a great conversation. And he said, well, you know, that's kind of like a general. You know, a general would overthink it. I mean, not, not a general, an engineer. Because an engineer, you know what I'm saying. And we could go to Moses and all that and just what God can do. And I, I want to just sum that up right there. God can do anything. God can do anything. Hallelujah, Jesus. We know that God had fulfilled all of the things that he, he shared. I think of the dreams, or the promises that you can count on that are immediate or in your lifetime. In Numbers 23 and, and 19, he said, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? You know, the Bible said that the prophets of old looked with earnestness for the coming of Jesus, but they never saw it. That's long term, isn't it? I think some people, they receive, they receive a word from the Lord and think that that means I'm going to be alive during that time, but not necessarily. I know people say, well, I know I'm going to be alive because, because you know, I saw it, and, and then I see them die. 
because they misinterpret. They, don't, they, they think, well, I must be in the middle of that. Well, maybe it isn't me in the middle of it. But God's promises are, are real. In 2 Peter 3 and 9 said, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There was a group of people that believed that God was going to come in 1920. I mean, they were up on rooftops. They were believing. But aren't you glad He didn't? I think I was born in 59. I wouldn't be around. People say, oh, the Lord's going to come soon. And I, and I believe that He is. I don't believe there's anything that needs to be to fulfilled for the Lord to come. But He said, I am not slack concerning my promises, but He said, I am long-suffering. Maybe it's your child that He's waiting on. So we need to say, Lord, Your will be done. Whatever it is that I may have to suffer before Your coming, Lord God, give me the, give me the grace and the strength to endure it. In Joshua 18.3, it said, And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are ye slack to go to possess the land which the Lord your God, your father, God your father had given to you? You know what he said? Past tense. It's already been done. It's already been done. What are you waiting for? Why are you not engaging your feet? Steps of the righteous order of the Lord. I use that often. But you know what that means? If they're ordered of the Lord, that means God commands that they move. <laughs> he commands that they move. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. One thing you've got to realize is that Jesus was not a martyr. Jesus, of his own volition, laid down his life. He said to Pilate, he said, you could do nothing to me unless my father give you that right. Jesus wasn't a martyr. He, he came with a specific purpose, which he fulfilled. He died that you don't have to. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We need Jesus. In Romans 9.28 said, For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. He'll do it. Paul said that. If God has promised, the promise is true. And God will not change his mind. You can count on it. It's God's promise. Let me tell you, he's in the last days. He said knowledge should increase. What are we seeing? In the last days, they would want to form a one-world government. What are we seeing? We're seeing people in a great nation like this being duped to, 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 to leaving our sovereignty and moving into a one-world position. Because they're blind, because they're stupid, because they don't understand that the Bible says that when, when that one world order is created, that there'll be trouble. And there'll be nobody to solve it. And then a man will rise up, the Antichrist. And he'll seem to have all the answers. They said, you know, the Bible said he'll, he'll speak great swelling words to deceive even the elect if possible. That's what the word says. But what we realize is that is that uh, uh, we're we're seeing that, aren't we? Isn't this what we're seeing today? Ten years ago, if you talked about a global system, they would say that you're in a conspiracy theory. Oh yeah, we've heard that. That's all we hear in the news anymore. That we need to co collaborate with the rest of the world. 
We need to. You, you know what's really strange out there in California right now? You know all those electric cars? They say, we don't have enough electricity. Don't use your electric cars. <laughs> oh, I could go on. I can't stop because there's just so much. <laughs> I don't even have to tell you. Anybody that's been looking at all this stuff knows exactly what I'm saying. But God will never lie, never deceive, and he'll never mislead. In Hebrews 12, okay, we've already looked. Hebrews 12, so looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In Joshua 21, 43 through 45, says, So the Lord gave Israel all the land that he had sworn. The Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn. Not one of all the Lord's good promises of the house of Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Do you know what's going to happen over in the Middle East shortly? They're going to be some wars. Israel's going to totally annihilate, I believe, uh, Syria, the, the, the capital of Syria. It's going to happen. And the Bible said Israel will become a nation without walls. Today, Israel's the most fortified city or, or country in all of the world. But when Russia comes down against Israel because they're going for a spoil, they said, what are you coming for, a booty? And they're coming down for spoil because something's going to happen in Israel that's going to make that nation so wealthy that it will cause the world to envy. And he said they will come down against an unwalled city, an unfortified city. And that's got to happen. And I'm going to tell you how it's going to happen because I believe Israel is going to have to, is going to, have to do what the world won't do, and that's defend her. She's going to defend herself. Why? Because the, the promises of God are true. To all you anti-Semites, God said, I'll choose who I will. But the fact of it is, is that the Bible says that Russia, and I don't mean to get too much in time, Russia, Syria, uh, um, Iran, Iraq, Turkey, all of these countries will gang up with uh, uh, Rosh, which is uh, the Soviet Union, well, the, Russia, and they will come down into the Valley of Jehoshaphat, they will come down to battle against Israel. This might be while we're still here. I don't know. I mean, I, it probably we won't be, but we may witness it. And when that battle happens, it says that God will cause great earthquakes. Even the mountains will fall and will destroy all of those armies. Only one six, only one piece, one remnant will be able to escape. And the reason for that is, is he's going to use them later. But God always has a plan. And the Bible said that the, that the, the weapons will be so vast left in that valley. It said that they will hire people, if you want a job, burying bodies. They'll get, they'll get paid to bury the multiple bodies that are left there in that valley. But the Bible says that Israel for seven years will burn the weapons. Now, what, now we know that weapons today are made of wood, but what you'll find is there's a lot of uh, a nuclear and, and waste in those weapons that can be turned into energy. And for seven years, the Bible said, they will burn those weapons. People call that the gap. That's between that great war and the tribulation. Because they can't burn weapons for seven years. Because during the tribulation, the Bible says that they will scatter. So we know there's got to be at least three and a half years. 
before the tribulation begins. So people have said to me, Pastor, are we in the tribulation? No, there's no way we could be in the tribulation because the Bible said when the tribulation happened, three and a half years into the tribulation, Israel will be deceived and the Antichrist, which will then be the devil embodied, will sit on the throne of David and he'll desecrate the temple. And the Bible says, this is said to Israel, it said, when you see this happen, don't even go down to get a pair of socks. Run from rooftop to rooftop and go unto a mountain down in Jordan. They'll go up into the mountains. And God said he would save them there. But that's three and a half years into the tribulation. So anybody that says, are we in the tribulation? Impossible. How many know God's word is true? impossible but what we realize in all this just as we read that every promise in joshua 21 43 through 45 god had fulfilled to the letter in john in joshua 23 and 14 said not one of all of these good promises the lord your god gave you has failed every promise has been fulfilled not one has failed We ought to be a happy bunch of people. I'm not going to let a backslid Congress take my joy. I've got that joy unspeakable and full of glory. Why? Because God is on the throne. God promised Israel land. He promised them rest. The Bible is a historical record of the absolute reliability of God's promise. The promises have always proven trustworthy, so you can count on every one of them. Count your blessings, name them one by one. In Psalms 119 and 40, it said, Your promises have been thoroughly tested, and your servant loves them. Don't you love the promises of God? But let me tell you what he said. He said that the, all the good things that God has given you, he gives it through. What does through mean? What does through mean? It means it requires some conduit. It's got to have a way to get in there. If you're going to put oil in your engine and you try to hit that little hole, uh, sometimes you make a mess and you smell burnt oil all of your engine. But if you use a funnel... Now, me, I never can find one. <laughs> I don't even want to go there. But the fact of it is, is the funnel becomes the conduit in which the liquid hits its mark. And what God is saying that, if you want the precious promises of God, I'm going to tell you how you get them. Through. Come on, holler it. Through what? Through the word. Well, you know, Pastor, I don't really know the Word. I don't even read the Word because I'll tell you what, I can't retain it. It's just too difficult for me. You know what? You'll never have the promises because they're in the Word. You'll always be sorrowful. You'll always be a pauper in the kingdom of God because you don't let the promises come through his word. I got, I got to hurry on here. In Genesis 17 and 19, it said, And God said to Sarah, Thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. We've talked about that many times. And I will establish my covenant with him, an everlasting covenant with his seed. And then in Numbers 21, 8, it said, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee the fiery serpent. How many know that every ambulance today has the pole with the serpent wrapped around it? They got it out of the Bible. Same place they got the rainbow. Oop, shouldn't I say nothing? <laughs> out of the Bible. But he said to Abram, Abraham, he says, take and put a serpent upon the pole and put it before the people and all that will look a pass by and look upon it will be healed. Today they use it. It was a promise of God. Amen. In Psalms 45, 13, it said, The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he had made. 
God is faithful. In 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, it said, For all the promises of God on him are yea and amen under the glory of God by us. Faithful is he that called you who also will do it. First Thessalonians 5 and 24. In Hebrews 10 and 23, it said, He who promised is faithful. You can count on the promises of God because God... The promiser is faith on Romans 4 and 13 through 16. It was not through the law that Abraham and his son, um, his, his uh, offspring, received the promise that he should be heir of the world, but through the righteousness which comes by faith. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace. And I think of Hebrews 11 and 1. It said, now faith is a substance of things hopeful. It is the evidence of things that are not seen. The promise comes by faith, which comes by grace. None of us deserve it. But he said to every man, he's given a measure of faith. No excuse. But yet the Bible said we need to exercise that faith. Remember we talked about the gym? You can't earn or deserve the promises of God. If you can believe God, you can count on his promises because they are free, the free gift of his righteousness. Now, I think of what Paul wrote, and he says, uh, it's not by works, let any man boast. In other words, I want you to know some salvation is free. It's a free gift of God. You can't earn it. You can't live it. I mean, you can't live to earn it. Amen? But the thing you can understand and know is that if you're given the gift, James didn't contradict what Paul said. He said, okay, so you say you got faith. I'll show you the evidence of faith by what I do while you just talk about it. <laughs> right? Some people like to talk about it. You step out by faith. When we took this church, there was just a little poster stamp in. There was, there was no, I, I can think of all the miracles through the years that got, when I started here, there was a lot less people in there are here right now. But I know how to sing that song, count your blessings, name them one by one. I know how to believe God for the impossible. Why? Because he is, nothing is impossible with him. My wife was out on that deck. We've now closed off. And she was out there and she was praying. And God said, this is nothing to what God can and will do. So what we realize in this is that when we believe... All things are possible. In Romans 4, 19 and 21, it said, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, speaking of, of uh, Abraham, but was strengthened by his faith, and he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. I see Christians walking around like, Oh, nobody wants it anymore. You know, we're just living in pretty hard times. You know, it's just like it's, it's everywhere. I'm going to tell you something right now. The glory of God is powerful. If you have no hope, then you have no hope. <laughs> I'm going to write that down so I don't forget it. <laughs> if you have no hope, then you have no hope. Yet did he not waver. I think some of us waver. That's why we start headed back toward Haran. We're going the wrong way. <laughs> First, yes. First Timothy 4.15 says, Meditate upon the, these things. Give thyself wholly to them that they may profit that they may profit, uh, that thy profit may appear to all. God wants us to be blessed because he wants us to see. He wants us to be blessed because he wants others to see. I am blessed. I am blessed. 
Every day that I live here, I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning or lay my head to rest, I am blessed. Oh, I am blessed. Are you blessed today? My last scripture. Some of you are probably going, Shoo. Amen. It's like the, the bishop said, how many will give me five minutes? And everybody raised their hands. Okay, that's five, 10, 15, 20. <laughs> we won't do that this morning. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 said, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through Him, amen. So it's spoken to us by God's glory. We say amen. You know what amen? And I said earlier, amen means so be it. God, your will be done. Jesus taught us that. Stop looking at your past. Stop looking at at your reality and begin to live in God's reality. God's kingdom is here today. And he's saying, unless we become little children, we can't enter the kingdom. In other words, we're all sophisticated and intelligent and mindful, and we got the where our heads are full of the world. Our heads become so fat they won't go under the fence. And God said, You know what? <laughs> You're going to leave all that stuff behind. Paul said, I count all my education, my doctorates and everything else, I count it as dung in comparison to the love of Jesus. Isn't that something? Oh, people come and they're all head knowledge and everything else. And what happens is, God said, I can't use you. Moses was 40 years old, and he said, I'm going to set my people free. A young man, you know, 40, you're right at the prime of life, hasn't really lost a lot yet. <laughs> and he's going to do what he does. And you know what happened? He ended up running away because God couldn't use that. Forty years later, on the backside of a desert, he'd lost all confidence. In fact, they say that his confidence level was so low that he couldn't even speak straight. Uh, he would go, and God said, great, now I can use you. <laughs> because I want the glory. <laughs> God is good. I just pray that you hear this message. I pray that the Holy Spirit awaken you to realize Jesus made the bar real low. If you give a cup of water in my name, you've done it for me. There's something that every one of us could do. Something Smith, uh, 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 Phil Smith said yesterday, he said, if every Christian gave of themselves financially and physically, this world right now would be a different place. I know that's true. But I know this one thing. God loves you. He's not here to browbeat anybody. You see? But he is here to say, all things are possible. Only believe.